Hello, this is Michael Novenson with Information Security Media Group. I'm joined today by Jesper Anderson. He is the CEO at Infobox. Good morning, Jesper. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Why don't you talk to you a little bit about the latest and the greatest at Infobox? What's the key or the biggest technology-related investment you've been making? Yes, so maybe just for those of your readers that don't know uh, Infoblox, we are a company that's been around for 25 years. We are the leader in foundational networking and security category known as DDI, that's DNS, DHCP, PHS Risk Management. And we have serve over 13,000 customers in 144 countries around the world, 75% of the Fortune 500 very large companies that we have as our customers. And they use us for foundational networking around DNS and DHCP. And obviously, over the last several years, that's become ever more important from a cybersecurity. So the main investment made is to support this move to shift left in the cybersecurity kill chain, right? So we have tools that can help security practitioners find threats and identify threats earlier in the kill chain and then help mitigate the risks around those kind of areas. We call our solution suite Blocks One Threat Defense, and that's available both for on-prem installments. It's a cloud-based solution around the world. It, it works in a hybrid type of it. Very nice. And I want to hear a little bit more in terms of the shift left. What what are, what are some of the dynamics you see fueling that? And then what, what's your response to the box to that? How, how do you feel you, you can help with that? Yeah, with the, with a hybrid type of networking architecture and IT uh, architecture that, that companies are following these days, the attack surface is obviously significantly expanded. And it's all about identifying threats that might be on your network or on your way into your network as early as possible, hence this notion of shifting left. And it turns out DNS is a very good place to look for signals of that. It turns out that the majority of ransomware and malware, well over 90% of ransomware and malware, the very first sign of that being on a network is a call out to a command and control center. And that always happens via a DNS query. And so when we are the DNS servers, for most of the large companies around the world, it's a natural place for us to both protect, but also to look for that kind of a potential compromise. And then part of what we do with our solution is integrate with all of your other security solutions, be that vulnerability scanners, endpoint protection solutions, intrusion detection solutions. We like to think of it as making your other security solutions better by ensuring that it has onto those systems information about there was a query made to a command and control center and it came from this IP address. That's what we think of as fingerprinting DNA information. Absolutely. I want to get a little bit more perspective into why you feel DNS is such a good place to start when it comes to shift left. Well, DNS is ubiquitous. It's obviously the phone book of the internet. It's essential in every org- every organization have it or you are not on a digital network. So I'd say it's the combination of DNS that's, that's so essential. You cannot call an application without making a DNS query. It's that information and it's the information of the IP addresses that are making those queries that are important. There are a lot of solutions in the market today that are able to filter on DNS queries that are going out of an organization, but 
pretty much all of them today only see the last IP address that made that NS query. And that's usually some kind of a firewall or a proxy server or whatever it might be. By the fact that we are the recursive DNS servers in so many of the organizations around the world, we obviously know the whole chain of DNS queries and the IP address that it came from. via our foundational. We often also understand the MAC address might be an IP address, and that's obviously super, super important information for any security center, rather than just loading raw log files into an SIEM or an XDR type of system, getting correlated information that gives you more of that, allow you quicker, hence this notion of shifting. So as you've made shift left more area of focus that Infoblox, has that changed the profile of the buyer you're selling to, and if so, how? Uh, Infoblox traditionally have always been selling to the networking buyer. That's our bread and butter. That's what the company was founded on over 25 years ago. But I would say over the last few years, especially as we have invested more in cybersecurity solutions, we increasingly are also selling to the security function within an organization, be that all the way up at a CISO level or increasingly the people we are spending talking to of the SOC, of the Security Operations Center. I think most probably are well aware that the SOC is a real point of contention in organizations today. It's actually uh, told to be the most hated job in, in IT today. It's, it's taken over from the traditional customer support role. And that's because there are not enough practi- SOC practitioners and the tool they use today don't use a traditional SIEM system, and all you have is raw log files and you lock those in, you are forced to sift through an awful lot of events in that system, and you just don't have enough hours in the day and to make heads and tails of those different events and alerts that you see in there. And that's where we can help with this correlated info. Uh, what's been different for Infoboxes? You've moved from selling historically to networking buyers and then selling to the CISO or selling to the SOC, but... What, what's that meant for your organization in terms of trying to best serve these different profiles? Yeah, I think, I mean, candidly, it, it takes a little while to, to kind of get that muscle right for any company. When you have such great success with one buying center in IT and you're, you're trying to get access to the other buying center, in this case, the security buying center, uh, it's a challenge because, as you know, and, and we're here at Black Hat, as you know, <laughs> there are thousands of vendors out there and they all would like access to that buying center. So it's a long line outside the office. But that's where our great relationship with the networking team has really helped us as well. And I think most listeners and readers would recognize that networking and security centers in an IT organization are in the best run companies getting closer and closer together. They talk much more, they plan together, they have an interest in each other's tools. That wasn't maybe the case five or 10 years ago. But in the best run organizations, that's very much true these days. I want to get a sense of the pure landscape, which you see at Infoblox, particularly on the security side of your business, if you're in a competitive situation, who are you coming up against the most often? Yeah, I would say our traditional DDI competitors don't really play in security. They may say they do, but they're not really to the security center. So it's typically the normal security focused companies that are there. I think any company, including ours, face competitors like the big ones, like the Palo Altos and the Cisco's and, and others that say they can do everything and have some minimal functionality in select areas like DNS. Sometimes customers kind of believe that story and think they are protected when they have some minimal functionality in their Palo Alto firewalls. 
And in those situations, obviously, we sometimes run POCs that show that at the end of the day, you, know, you may have some basic blocking and tackling, but you're not really protected against truly sophisticated data exfiltration. The threat intelligence may be limited. And by the way, if you're really buying into the Cisco kind of machine, that, that threat intelligence that Cisco has that is very good can't be shared in other solutions inside your cyber portfolio of solutions. And that's that's a shame that's uh, that's limiting for organizations. Then that's kind of where companies have an interest in working with companies like Inblox when they are assembling solutions of more of a best of breed type of solution. What's the difference in, in terms of how you approach DNS at Infobox versus folks like Cisco or Palo Alto Networks who come from the firewall space? It's the detail, right? I mean, it turns out that because of the criticality of DNS, you got to be very good at what you do. In today's world, I often, when I talk to our customers, I often say that we understand that in a modern business today, DNS is actually a matter of life or death. We have a lot of healthcare customers, as an example, and in a modern hospital today, if DNS is down, then a doctor can't pull up an electronic medical record for a patient, and that patient could actually die. And so this is where Infoblogs has earned our leadership position over the last 25 years by ensuring our customers and building a reputation that if you are running our DNS and broader solutions, you will not have downtime. I met with one of the largest insurance companies in the world late last fall, and, and the customer told me, hey, yes, but we made a decision to move to Infoblox nine years ago, and during these nine years, we have not had one second of DNS. That makes me very proud, and that's frankly why Infoblox is a leader. So Cisco, for example, don't really sell DNS servers. They have a solution called Cisco Umbrella that provide a DNS filtering solution out in the internet, but it doesn't have recursive DNS servers that you need for, for example, uh, east-west traffic inside a data center or all of those other traffic flows that are happening. So this is why Infoblox is the lead in that space. I want to talk to you a little bit about some, some of the research and some of the studies you've done. I know you started a, a study back in May looking at the needs of the security buyer. Uh, can, you fill, can you fill me in a little bit about what, what, you, what you're looking at and what you found? Yeah, so in May, we uh, released a 13-report series where we had interviewed uh, 1,100 IT decision-makers in 11 countries around the world, and some interesting highlights came out of that. Uh, any one of your listeners can go to our website and get a copy of the, of the reports there, but to highlight a few of those that we found, definitely there is a, a continued focus mm-hmm. from companies around digital transformation. So I know uh, all of us are thinking about the economic kind of context in which we exist, and the economy can look a little scary, and I think anyone that's planning is planning for caution and flexibility these days, and that's probably appropriate to bud. Over 50% of the companies that are putting their foot in the accelerator when it comes to digital transformation. And so, so that was definitely a highlight. I think the other thing that's very interesting, and we've been, been looking at, uh, at these kind of things, is that companies are continuing concerned about cybersecurity. On average, these companies have seen five security incidents, severe security incidents and breach through a period of, of one year. And on, on average, 40 th- or, or 43% of them that it has cost them at least a million dollars in costs over that period of time. And so I think that's pretty substantial. That probably doesn't include costs around reputational damage and that 
the most common sources of compromise still continues to be fishing. 58% of the, the people that participated in our report, that is sort of the common method in which they get compromised. And they also talked about in the report what they are most worried about as part of a potential compromise. Data leakage is still uh, top of that list. They are concerned still about ransomware. In the last, I suppose, this this spring and summer have been a little quiet on the ransomware kind of front. People, authorities are getting a little bit of patrolling, some of those things, but I know some researchers think that that's just a lull before it kind of kicks up again. And then sort of remote exploits continue to be a, a big concern. Very good. Finally here, I want to get a sense of what do you feel should be top of mind for CISOs as we head in, whether it's specific to Infoblox or more broadly for the cyber industry as a whole, what, what should they be thinking about? I think the most CISOs that I talk to are trying to make sure value out of all of these different solutions that they acquired. Many of them, especially for larger companies, have acquired tools that they haven't even... And I know when I talk to CISOs, their biggest concerns is, how do I get these tools to work together? How do I make them effective? That's actually an area where we help these companies because that is where the information we have in our system, this fingerprinting, imagine you know everything that's on your net via a IP address management solution. We know every IP lease when you use our DHCP solutions. And imagine you know everything, these IP endpoints or these IP clients, if you like. Imagine you know everything they are trying to, that starts with the DNS query. That information is super valuable. If you can have that pre-integrated into all these other tools you use, I'm not saying we support every single tool on the market, but by far the vast majority of the leading security tools we have integrations with, that makes those other systems much more powerful. And when I talk to CISOs, that's what they're interested in. They are getting bombarded with more and more tools that are supposed to solve every problem in a 100% automated way, usually using AI and machine learning. It doesn't always and often not live up to expectations. And so when I talk to CISOs, they're just trying how they effectively, because they can't hire enough SOC participants, as an example. And that's where we're Very interesting. Yes, Bert, thank you so much for the time here. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity. Very welcome. We've been speaking with Jesper Anderson. He is the CEO at Infobox, Information Security Media Group. This is Michael Novenson. Have a nice day.